Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, the first of two hours of Ghost Chronicles, if you can take it. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me, uh, anyway, my it's me, the gold standard in ghost hunting from Wales, Steve Parson. Good evening. And uh, if I sound not my normal self tonight, it's because I, uh, the audio quality I was referring to, um, it's because I'm back on the phone because uh, we're having some big electrical storms here. So uh, I'd rather keep the computer offline. Yeah, you do sound a little tired, my friend. Oh, I'm not tired. Just uh, sheltering. You're not your chirpy in. self. Well... That's just the way it is. Late at night. Been a long week. Hey, I've so, got a question. I've got an answer, probably. I hope so. Because, um, you know, I, I keep up with things on social media. Oh, here and, we go. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> no, not what you think. Uh, okay. I've noticed that um, quite a few of the uh, leading investigators over your side of the water mm. um, are all now traveling around with like traveling museums of the paranormal. Oh, yeah. Cody um, has one. I was going to say he's the most recent one, um, mm -hmm. but there are others too Brian Carno and yeah. uh, um, Dustin. Well, uh, Brian worked with uh, Zappas, and Zappas, of course, is one of the original ones. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, is 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 there some bandwagon jumping going on here? By the of course, there is. But, you know, you know, you just look at the number of ghost hunter groups out there, Steve, and uh, you know, you just another plop in the pond. Uh, but you know, you, you try to reinvent yourself by having these traveling museums now. You know, Zach's got one, of course. You know, but Zappas had his long before. Uh, well, you know, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw has one, you know. Yeah, uh, but I noticed, you know, um, particularly, uh, you know, this last couple of weeks, Cody. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. where are they getting the stuff? I don't know. I'll ask him that because he's going to be on my show next Wednesday. Well, that'll be cool because I'm interested to know. I mean, you know that over the years, I've, I've collected together a small number of things oh, but great stuff great stuff but you know we're only talking uh you couldn't call it a museum you couldn't even call it there's not enough to display um you could call it the cabinet of curiosities you could um <laughs> but nonetheless it would appear that you know almost overnight young cody has managed to um you know, fill a, fill a truck full of um, paranormal curiosities. Well, Cody is is now, of course, you know, he's a he's on the yeah. ghost hunters. So yeah, 
So people, I mean, you know, because people send you crap and they send me crap. So, you know, I imagine he gets it as well. So uh, maybe that, maybe buy, I mean, there, there are people selling all kinds of hard stuff on eBay and on Amazon. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we've got, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that dissimilar over here. I mean, we've got all manner of, um, you know, haunted uh, museums um, mm-hmm. or museums of the haunted. We've got the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre and we've got four or five others. Is this, I mean, we're we just looking at the latest craze here. You know, I can't contact the dead. I can't find ghosts. So I've got this <laughs> pile of, I've got this pile of haunted crap and I'm going to drag people in and make them pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or in the case of the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre, um, you know, you can go and investigate what has now become the, one of the most haunted locations in, in Britain, apparently. Really? Um, you know, if Where you listen this to place? That, uh, it's in Leicestershire. Um, sure. yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you listen to the sort of uh, propaganda and you've got, you know, there's another one in Sheffield and there's, you know, there's a handful of them picking up over here, but none of them have really gone on the road. Um, you know, they, they've taken items out with them. They've taken their Dybbuk box and their, you know, famous, notorious haunted doll and uh, gone and, you know, done a, an investigation where the doll is present or the Dybbuk box was open for the umpteenth time. But I noticed that, you know, in America, you seem to have these um, kind of remind me of the old traveling fairs from uh, the days of snake oil. And um, yeah, I was just wondering whether well, there's any real that, difference. Is, you know, isn't that really kind of what it is? But anyways, uh, just to check up on uh, what you were uh, saying, uh, I, I went on the, the Paranormal Couples website and it said over multiple years, the collection has grown into an assortment of hair raising and unsettling items given by hopelessly frightened individuals in need of help. Most of the objects have been taken from private cases we have worked on. There are a few select items that have been sent to us or obtained to us through other circumstances. We want as many brave or interested souls as possible to enter our museum, tour the objects, and possibly even conduct an investigation with them. We want you to witness what it what it feels like. See here, and wow, this is this is exciting. Uh, well, I haven't got access to the computer tonight, so I can't see um, what you're seeing. But it's it it does smack of snake oil, doesn't it? You know this. I mean, is this the I've done, and I know you've done many investigations also, but. Mm-hmm. You, we don't come away with souvenirs from all the investigations, trophies of uh, the haunted locations we've investigated. I try it's, to, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> it just smacks. It's, it's trophy collecting, isn't it? You know, hey, we did this. We did this haunted house, and I, I acquired. The haunted don't cup, you do that with the with with uh, prices crap? No, that's all bought legitimately off eBay. <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, but you're collecting, I, I, so you're you're a souvenir hunter of, of price. 
yeah, that's a that's because I personally admire Price. I also have a collection of militaria be, that, that commemorate my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a different thing. I, I I've never and felt you don't go around charging people to see it. No, and I've never felt the urge to go and do an investigation and then say, "Oh, can I have that ornament?" or "Can I have that?" or um. It just strikes me as it's not something we do over here, or at least yeah. I'm not aware of it. Okay. Um, may, maybe, you know, trophy. Wasn't that the theme of um, uh, what was the movie? Um, with, the with a nice glass of Chianti. No, with a, with a nice glass of Chianti. Clarice. Oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah, uh, he used to collect. Animal. Know, I mean, Hannibal. I mean, you know, we've got we've got serial killers who collect trophies and, and souvenirs of their crimes. So maybe paranormal investigators are really want to be serial killers. Now, there's an <laughs> interesting thought. Did I ask that on the show when I talk to him next week? No, no, no. You're asking him how he's getting on with the sales of the cat boy, the cat toy. <laughs> no, I won't get any more from the cat toys. <laughs> I'll be annoyed. <laughs> Do you know, I um, I was out on a, the weekend at one of these weekend markets, and one of the market traders had a big um, box full of these cat toys uh, for a pound each. Really? So, mm. so um, I, clean her I, up. I, I, I bought a few. Yeah. Um, and side by side with um, the Cody Tech cat toy, mm-hmm. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, it's Even all in the inside, a... Steve. All in the inside. Uh, well, I, I took them apart. Yeah, microscopic. Um, you, you you need a no, microscope. I, I didn't do. I didn't do. <laughs> microscopic. I took them apart and held them side by side under a you know a, a magnifier. Yeah. And looked, and I could see no difference apart from the packaging. I'm I just, not sure that I'm not sure. There's just not clever marketing going on here. I just thought of a great thing for us, a ghost hunt, a public ghost hunt. Well, take a load of cats on a take a load of cats on a ghost hunt. No, we take one of the, so those cat toys, a handful of them, and sit at the top of the stairs, and when people go by, <laughs> just drop them down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was looking through, you know, I was uh, clearing out some stuff over the last few weeks and uh, digging out some of the old items from the old ghost kits, which are up in the attic now. Mm-hmm. And there are things in there that were useful in the day. I mean, there's a box of ping pong balls, table tennis balls, um, oh. which which were used. We used to place them on the floor because, you know, if a, a breeze moved um, through a doorway, then it yeah. would roll the ping pong balls around and yep. you would see it easily. Um, you know, we got a box of glow in the dark ping pong balls, especially for doing that with. Um, and there's, you know, there's some other... Odds and ends. No, you know these illuminated chemical lights and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to attach. You can them use those to... underwater, you know. <laughs> yes, you can. But do you know what we use them for? Right. Um, you know, we bought we bought about three hundred of them. There's probably about fifty of them left upstairs. Wow. Um, so what what would you use chemical light sticks for? Oh, we use the chemical uh, bracelets to put on team members so that we can identify them in the dock yeah not far off we would take these um small they're only about two inches long 
-hmm. they were designed for fishing you would attach them to your rod tips to see it move um and we 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 attached them to our tripods so we didn't trip over the bloody things in the dark that's a good point Yeah, that's a good one. So we, you know, if we had, you know, if what, we had no, what, no, no night goggles? <laughs> uh, there's a couple of pairs up there, but are there really? Yeah, there's a couple of pairs of um, the old-fashioned generation one night vision, night vision yeah. goggles. You know, what's so funny is is uh, when I started originally, I mean, really started. Wait, in the very beginning, I met uh, Brian the monk, and uh, he had a pair of. Uh, Israeli commando night, uh, you know, surplus from the Israeli mm-hmm. army. It's like, wow, this is the coolest thing. It's like, ah, you know, that. I mean, of course, you got to remember that was like 20 years ago. Well, yeah, probably, well yeah, I mean, ours, ago, yeah. ours, uh, God, ours must be getting on for, I mean, I don't even know if they work. The batteries have, were taken out years ago, so they probably they probably would work. Um, but Smart these, move on that. Well, these were um, these were bought because back in the day, a lot of the places we didn't really understand. You know, uh, we were still developing our art, so you know, yeah, we exactly. would turn the, we would turn the lights off. Now, we weren't looking for ghosts with the night vision goggles. These were designed so that we could find our way around and Without not killing each over one another, and you know, uh, but we had a couple of pairs of them. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, we we looked like the other thing that's up there is my old um, fishing jacket with all the pockets in. Uh, yeah, um, back in the day. That I wore. Wish I, had last, <laughs> I think I last wore mine on uh, on Most Haunted, and after that, of course, you put it away, and um, you didn't. But it was, you know, when you're in a television environment, you need to grab stuff quickly. You can't just go off back to the kit box or wherever yeah, I mean, you know yeah you, you had to have stuff to show and tell and the easiest way to carry it was of course in one of these fishing jackets with the big pockets mm-hmm. all over them well see uh, but, i could have used one of those because you know we have uh, if those who don't know we have ghost uh, chronicles radio and patreon you can become a patreon member and we show you videos and stuff that you can't see anywhere else but uh, i just posted one from 2002 and I you see me walking that. You see me walking around. Well, it's all right. It's it's it. Well, you said before you, you know, before you learned your trade. You, that's yeah, the same I, was talking about the 19, I was talking about a decade earlier in the early 1990s. Yeah, that's you. You started earlier than I did. The, uh, you know, I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Sorry. Um, I'm learning. That's the main thing. Anyways, it, you saw me holding like all kinds of crap. Whoops. Again. Damn. Uh, ignore that. Yeah. Not tonight, Cal. It's my son, no less. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I take that. I apologize for that, listeners. Uh, yeah, usually I take that off the hook, but I, I do apologize. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, I mean, y- you looked at the old crappy equipment that I had back then, the, the old uh, baby monitor and uh, all that other stuff, the EMF meter, uh, which yeah, was, the, by the way, which was not a ghost meter. That was the regular. Uh, uh, no, but how was it? episode, the first one, it was Ghost Meter Pro. No, it was not. It wasn't even invented by then, back then. Wasn't it? It was. 
No, it was the one that was designed for um, the radios. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, uh, brain cancer. Celsons. Thank you very much, Steve. I got a brain fart there. But uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I mean, well, so I mean, we, course, which of course the Ghost Meter Pro is a Celsons. Of course it is. Only stripped down. And <laughs> slightly modified. <laughs> it charged more. And uh, the. Uh, you know, I mean, you looked at, you saw uh, Radio Shack thermometers that I had mm-hmm. on, uh, mm-hmm. on the thing that we use for remote. I mean, we use whatever, baby monitors, we, uh, you know, VCRs. Well, you, uh, you used what you could get. Oh, in fact, yeah. talking about Radio Shack, um, RS, which over here they were called Tandy. Yeah. Um, I still, in, in the My main, first computer was a Tandy computer, by the way. Go ahead. So was mine. Yeah. But, in my first in the primary you know sort of go bag um for taking out with me mm-hmm. are still two of probably the best made uh uh thermometers uh, really? sensors, um that i've ever come across these these aren't actually the recording devices the probes um but back oh. in the day i mean you're talking these are now 30 something years old but uh they were made by Radio spares, ten DRS, um, mm-hmm. for for plugging into um, the top of um, a digital uh, thermometer, and oh, these are cool. type type K thermocouples, but air temperature thermocouples, hmm. and they're incredibly well put together. And they were only you know a pound or two back then, and they they still work every bit as well today. They pass calibration every few every couple of years. Really? Um, yeah, they they get checked, you know. That's pretty uh, cool. Calibration, and they're still absolutely spot on. So, uh, yeah, don't knock the old Tandy stuff, old Radio Spare stuff. Yeah, yeah, Radio Shack in our country, Tandy. I miss that. I miss that shop. Oh, I do. Anything you needed, that they had it, which was special electronics. Any you needed, little plugs, yeah. little connectors, anything at all, yeah. they were there. Oh. In fact, um, my first trip back over to the States to New England, uh, when we went up to the uh, market basket, mm-hmm. I remember because about four doors down was, I think, the last surviving um, radio shack in probably New England. No, we found another one, didn't we? Yeah. Um, well, they're, was, they're going now, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, long gone now. Long mm. gone. And much missed. They were. They were. I Much mean, I, I found them very useful for a lot of things I did. And, well, uh, it was the only place I could remember going back, you know, uh, in 2010 to get reel-to-reel tape. Yeah, there you go. You can still or, get it now. Or, uh, a couple. Of, well, oh, reel-to-reel. Yeah, reel-to-reel tape. Oh, yeah. We yeah, needed, yeah. We, do you remember uh, we were on our way to do a, a presentation and we needed a connector for something and we had to... And you knew if yep. you went into uh, Radio Shack and said, I want to join that to that. You could get they it. went, ah, yeah, it's up there in a plastic bag. They even had components, you know, capacitors, transistors, yeah. Yeah. all that cool stuff. That you, oh, yeah, I used to make uh, all sorts of uh, yeah. all sorts boards. Of, they uh, had boards if you needed a board, you know, like. They had any you name it electronics, they were awesome. But well, I, 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 I have to thank them for what was our very first multi sensor system because. Uh, I built on a on a on a circuit board, blank circuit board, bought from Radio Shack, um, a ten 
there were 10 individual temperature sensors on cables. Um, so you could put it out, you could measure the you can measure the temperature in 10 different spots simultaneously. That's pretty cool. And uh, then you had to uh, then you had the sheet of paper because it was low tech back then with oh, yeah. 10 columns on it. And you had to, uh, you know, every five minutes you have to write down the 10 temperatures manually, sort of press the button. Yeah, you had to log everything. Yeah. Everything was written down by hand. Yeah, yeah. everything was written that's, down by that's hand. That's why we used the base camp because the base camp was so important to us because mm-hmm. we were out doing stuff and we would call it in and, and that was recorded at that time. We didn't have to try to take time while we're doing something to write it down or to uh, try to go to memory and, and we know what memory does, so. Yeah, and that's that 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 drove our next um, our next change in the way that the team operated here because uh, it was just such a pain in the ass to have to write everything down all the time. Oh yeah, and so what we we gave everybody then was um, uh, pocket uh, cassette recorders. Yeah, and so what they would do is they would say oh, cassette the time. recorders. <laughs> Yeah, they would say they would say the time, they would say the measurements, and mm-hmm. then they repeat. And at the end of the night, we collected all the cassettes in, and somebody then had to sit down and transcribe all these measurements. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, thank God for data data loggers and computers. Now, speaking of uh, you know systems and everything, uh, whatever has happened to the spider? Well, it's still it's still around. Oh, for those who don't don't know what we're talking about. I was about a... to explain. Yeah, thank you. Uh, SPIDER stands for Spontaneous Paranormal Incident Data Electronic Recorder. And it was an invention of uh, Dr. Alan Gould and uh, Tony Cornell, Dr. Cornell, uh, who were SPR investigators who sought to try and automate the recording of data and link it to, uh, so for example, it had a basic um, computer at the core, and it had multiple sensors. There would be a light sensor, a temperature sensor, a sound-activated switch. There were there were different versions of it had different sensors, and they would act. And when they when the sensor tripped or triggered, it would switch on a recorder and record the data or switch on a camera or take photographs or switch on an audio recorder and there were different versions of spider and uh it it was portable just if you had a a large vehicle and uh, it's still it's still around you know uh, different uh, in in yeah, well, the final incarnations of it still, still exist in. Oh, the, the actual, the, the original one, huh? The original device still survives, and there is there is a plan um, which I'm involved with. I, I've mentioned before to bring Spider out of retirement, make sure it's you know sort of uh, checked over, make make it see if we can get it working again, and then test it against its digital counterparts. It's modern, um, you know, state-of-the-art versions of what it was doing. Because but if, if I recollect, uh, Steve, last time you attempted to bring a piece of equipment back, you almost got electrocuted. That's true. <laughs> um, but a lot of Spider was analog. Right. You know, a lot of the uh, recording components on Spider, although the oh, so they had back then. 
Well, there were some computer tech. There were some computers um, used in the spider system in in the sort of final incarnations of it, but a lot of the data recording was done using analog systems, and a lot of the sensors were analog sensors. Um, and it, I thought it would be an interesting to see if perhaps uh, you know how accurate it was. Was it able to capture or uh, sample data in a way that perhaps modern digital devices are unable to do. So, you know, that's 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 on the... Uh, it probably would have happened by now, but for this damn pandemic, um, which has put everything on ice. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Another device which we did recover, this was... Oh, God, this must be nearly 10 years ago now. Uh, Cal, Cal and I uh, uncovered this... Uh, what looked like a radio device in the in the uh, archives of the SPR, and we thought, hey, this thing dates from the nineteen early nineteen forties, and uh, it was built for seances, and it had dials. It looked a bit like a radio. It used radio components, but we didn't have a an I any idea about what it would do or how it operated, other than it was built by a spiritualist for use in seances, and. Uh, we we brought it back here, and uh, we spent a few days trying to. I I spent a few days trying to get it working again, and succeeded. Um, we discovered that there were some electrical anomalies within the design that meant that if you opened the case and touched one of the knobs, you would get two hundred and forty volts. Ouch! Um, ouch. Um, <laughs> and it happened several times. And if you, even when it was unplugged and switched off, the capacitors uh, were still holding, you know, hundreds of volts of charge and it would still give you a good whack. So uh, interesting times. We never did definitively figure out um, how it worked, but we speculated and we, we produced um, an article for the journal about how we thought it was operating. Hmm. Uh, that was yeah i mean there's a lot we can still learn possibly from these old bits of equipment which is still out there in the various museums that are out traveling around um did you ever hear of the paranormal portal uh i've heard of it but i've it, it you know anything about say, it well there are several, several different versions of of uh, that have that have got that name the most recent of course are all these a lot of these spirit boxes are right. now called paranormal portals. You know, they don't call them as EVP devices or um, you know, communication devices. They're all now paranormal portals. And I believe... Being reinvented, huh? That, that the one you're referring to, the paranormal portal, is is basically a radio frequency EVP device with a speaker attached to it that a forerunner of the Ovilus and, and uh, the Puck yeah, I was just I just came across this article about the spectra detectors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's uh, the tunes. We gotta go. So uh okay. you're listening to Ghost Chronicles, uh International right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, and we'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. To tonight's uh, edition of Ghost Chronicles International, from a thunderstruck west of Wales, you have the old standard in ghost hunting, and from I don't know what your weather's like, but over in New England, you have New England, nice. Van Helsing. Nice. Have nice weather in New England, so Van Helsing. One colleague. I, you know, I was I like during the break, I was reading this article about the uh, who the hell are these guys? Uh, oh, Spectre Detectors, the investigators. Spectre Detectors. I, uh, Jason Carl, isn't it? One of the most haunted houses in Britain. 30 East Drive. Oh, that that most haunted house in England. Yep. And, uh, I, it, well, that, that claim uh, mm-hmm. is, you know... <laughs> Open to be challenged, but for those yeah, who don't know, sure. 30 East Drive, Pontefract, West Yorkshire, um, came first came to notoriety in the 1960s, where it was um, written about. It was it was it, um, the family there was subject to a poltergeist manifestation, a poltergeist series of uh, poltergeist attacks, manifestations um, that that. Dis- disrupted their life for uh, around a year. It was it was nicknamed or or named the Black Monk of Pontefract uh, case, Ooh. and it was it was written about by authors such as Colin Wilson, and it made the you know the sort of media rather like Enfield was to do more than a decade later. And then the house sort of you know as with a lot of these Enfield poltergeist, uh, as with. Uh, Orly, they fade away and things go quiet. Um, however, about five or six years ago, the house suddenly uh, reappeared on um, the ghost hunting circuit. It had been in private ownership all these years. People had lived in it and um, there had been no incidents. 
then a new owner arrives and all of a sudden people are given the opportunity and uh, to go and investigate it they're told the old stories and of course it would it uh, it would appear that the black monk never left and he's as violent and vicious now um, and even more malevolent now than he ever was back in the 1960s oh, so sad and uh, the house has appeared on television uh, it's appeared on a paranormal lockdown where uh, they were locked in for 24 hours with Polter, uh, with the black monk yeah uh, they are Every uh, ghost hunting events company worth their salt uh, regularly offer the you know uh, opportunities to uh, to go there. The place has its own Facebook page. It has its own um, marketing and publicity machine. Oh God! Um, it is. It is. You know, an an A list haunted building now. But that was never the case. You know, it, it briefly flared up like the Enfield case did in the 70s. And then after a period of time, like a poltergeist case normally do, the family, um, you know, they, they remained there. Um, the case, well, the activity diminished, calmed down. It went back to being a normal house. Um until some clever marketing turned it into um, what we've got today with it, hmm. which is yeah, uh, which is a shame, really. Yeah, you know. It's, so I mean, uh, it's it's actually polluted. I mean, you'll never get. No, I mean, yeah. I, I I noticed with. I mean, you've heard me talk about Markham Markham Castle, uh, yes. which is out here in West Wales. It was done for most haunted. It was it's a regular on the ghost hunting circuit. It's a big Victorian Gothic recreation of a medieval um, manor house yeah, built by a, a rich industrialist in the 19th century. Uh, it does you know, sit on the site of an original medieval building, and indeed on the site of much older iron age and bronze age uh, archaeology um and it has a ghost it has a ghost of a um gamekeeper who who went rogue and murdered somebody and uh you know the ghost is supposed to haunt the the staircase fairly arbitrary but nonetheless interesting location it's visually stunning and it has some intriguing unanswered questions which you know i've mentioned before fascinate me and with its proximity it's somewhere i i visit regularly and uh i noticed that a movie came out in 2020 um called the haunting of margham castle and it it's set in wales it's set at margham and it's uh, a story based on two american parapsychologists one of whom is called annie Professor Annie Holzer, and I believe that um, um, the present generation of the Holzers are not happy on Twitter about it. Uh, uh, you know, this appropriation of the name. But nonetheless, it's 90 minutes long and it's dreadful. It got one oh. star review. It, it didn't even get one star reviews, but I sat through it 
and that's 90 minutes of my life I'll never get back. It was nice to see the building, but it was some of the worst wooden acting um, and I've ever uh, had the misfortune to encounter. It made paranormal activity look like, you know, a racy, exciting um, movie. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's sad. You know, and given, given the building's stunning location and, you know, its own interesting history and stories, I feel it's been badly let down. But nonetheless, lo and behold, the movie comes out. Uh, the ghost hunters who condemn the film are more than happy to trade off the back of it and say, you know, as starred in the movie, The Haunting of, of Margaret Castle, and Margaret Castle's now one of, you know, it, it's gone up a tier in the um, in the pantheon of haunted buildings. Yeah, that's a shame. Well, I mean, that it's ruined, really. <laughs> well, you know, it was a crap movie, but yeah. never let a marketing opportunity go to waste if you've got a paranormal events company. So I was reading that little thing about the Spectre Hunt, which, by the way, oh, it yeah. seems like like they do, uh, they just feel stuff all the time, I guess. I don't know. And they well, was I right about the portal, though, that it is a communication device? Yeah, it says, uh, it said something on. about... Uh, we turned on the portal. My knock, my name, my name, Mike came to clear as yeah. day. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. the one I'm thinking about. Then the one that's sort of um, an instant communication device. So I mean, his, this is interesting. I mean, it's all they do. They're seeing shadows. They're seeing black stuff. They're they're getting poked. They're feeling things. You know, like okay. So you know, this as far as I can tell, there's nothing really that's any evidence or anything really um you know lots of stuff on here but one of the lines that kind of like i couldn't figure out and, and of course i'm looking for oh yeah uh come on you bugger i was just oh here it is uh he got poked in the side violently yeah 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 oh here it is we started off in the living room as we sat getting the feel of the room i felt sadness in the room and i don't know why the house just seemed quiet even the tour decor made it miserable and then uh, lorraine and her had a pain in her wrist and hesher had pain in her back and there was pressure on my forehead i mean it's all this painting thing i saw a big black orb close to the ceiling <laughs> i mean uh, it just uh anyway but, but isn't that you know if you if you look um go onto the websites or the facebook pages of many of these paranormal investigation outfits and what you do see is uh scant evidence of anything whatsoever you know they might have some recordings they might have a photograph or two but the rest of it is predominantly i felt she felt he felt yeah. they sensed um he described a little boy it's often do you know of a haunted building that isn't infested with ghostly children of course not and ladies uh, are white or, and monks or, in your country monks children, yeah or plenty of monks but mostly ghost children all yeah. and then the evp is always ring a ring of roses oh, yeah. don't they so, know any other nursery rhymes in the afternoon it's it was, always it ring a ring of roses yeah. So, anyways, there's a part here that it just like I, I I just had a laugh because it says Hannah mentioned that there was something old on the land, and I was picking up paganism. She <laughs> fell possibly wait a minute. She fell possibly a monastery. 
this is the interesting one. We heard a loud bang coming from upstairs. Before heading upstairs, we did a vigil vigil, vigil in a passage outside the toilet. <laughs> so if you heard a large bang upstairs, you would just, oh, let's have a vigil outside the toilet. No. A sensible <laughs> investigator would find out what caused the bang. However, a modern paranormal investigator, uh, first of all, um, rushes upstairs, and then they all hold hands outside the outside the bathroom. Yeah, there you go. Um, now, bathroom in the UK means literally means water closet, toilet. Yeah. Um, so they're all standing. They're all standing around. Could have been a holy spring, you know, if they'd flushed. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the noise was upstairs, and they stayed downstairs. They didn't even go upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, before exactly. heading upstairs, we did a midi vigil outside the toilet. Well, they have to they have to get all of the sort of spiritual alignments and chakras oh, is that and what it is? doohickeys and all in balance, don't they? Um, but this you know, look at look at the account itself. Uh, somebody suggests paganism. Well, that means yeah. nothing. But you know, there's a forerunner of let's have a bit of devil worship later. Yeah. Um, and I sense a monastery. Now, everybody and his cat in this country who's going to 30 Strive knows. And if you don't know, it's advertised inside the building as well. And the tour guide, <laughs> the lady from next door who gives you the keys, uh, will yep. happily, will happily. Oh, she gave the history it. too, by the way. Exactly. We'll happily give you the history. They said that. Oh, yeah, she gave us, they handed us the keys yeah. and told us that, well, the history. <laughs> yeah, including that it was it was always known as the Black Monk of Pontefract. Huh. After, not because he was um, demonically black, but they wore black habits. They were black friars of Pontefract. Uh, hence the description. Uh, there were there were a number of different religious or uh, mon monastic orders. So you had the white friars who wore white habits, the black friars who wore black habits, and there were other you know sort of um, orders in between. And yeah. in Pontefract, it was predominantly the black friars who were I think they were Cistercians. If I'm if I got the two in the right way round. Um, and of course, they the association back in the day of the poltergeist, poltergeist manifestation, like with Enfield, it was old Bill. Um, mm -hmm. With with the um, Pontefract case, it was assumed or presumed, or an association was made with uh, a monastic settlement that was nearby, relatively speaking. There was a black that was. Uh, an establishment of the Black Friars, hence the Black Monk of Pontefract. Yeah. So you I mean, have this demonic association, of course. This the whole thing is like it's just drivel. No offense, but you know we it's felt nervous. We felt nervous. Like, well, okay, that's good. I love this one. Uh, somebody, one of the women, was standing in the in the toilet and felt stomach pain. Like a menstrual cycle. Oh, really? In the toilet? Oh, that's that's a good guess. Uh, too much information, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> no, yeah, but a wise investigator, if that was what the person was reporting to me, yeah, as you know, as the lead investigator, then I would quietly find out: is that a possibility? 
you know, is she at the part of her of her cycle? Where no, no, she's be... saying the spirit had it, not her. Oh, the. Oh, she sensed that the spirit had yeah, a... outside the toilet. Like, I mean, we're in the toilet. Well, well where else? Oh, do... right. Yeah. Particularly as the, the spirit there is supposed to be a male spirit. Well, she's having a menstrual cycle, I guess. Well, the spirit in that case, in that example, 30 Strive Pontifract, the the haunting spirit the is supposed to be a very bad-tempered, very malevolent black monk. Not... Uh, not um, racially black, but wearing a black habit. Um, so, oh, there were know, two ops around her, and and he had a very bad demeanor, and he hurts people apparently. Although he never hurt anybody back in the sixties, no. um, but now he does. He he casts people up and down stairs, and he throws things about, and he's you know quite ill-tempered. Um, I don't think that. You know, even back in the Middle Ages, men of the religious persuasion had menstrual cycles. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I'm absolutely sure that even the bicycle wasn't invented back then. So seriously, is this the way they were investigated in the paranormal in, in the UK? Yeah, well, yes. Oh, that's sad. However... I've got to, uh, you know, fly the flag a little bit and say, watching the videos from American teams, as I sometimes do on YouTube, it ain't, mm-hmm. doesn't seem any better over there either. Okay, all right, I'll go along with it. You know, it seems to be um, a, na- a, a worldwide pandemic of bad practice that's been driven. And, you know, we've talked about this endlessly. It's, it's They see these superheroes... Uh, these sort of minor celebrity investigators on TV, on social media, and they slavishly copy the ideas. And the ideas, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a young ghost hunter, um, you know, we were looking for headless Nick, you know, the the white figure with the arm tucked under the, the head tucked under his arm and wandering silently up and down corridors, not bothering anybody. Which the ghost would just drift through and drift on out again. Um, but then, you know, like with the media, those ghosts were passe, boring. You know, it's not doing anything. It's not, you know, we want to fight it. We want to challenge it. It's got to be evil. And so we we started off, you know, uh, then they they progressed from white figures to murderers and their cohorts and victims and trapped children. They're still quite popular, by the way, uh, who can't. <laughs> Who can't cross over because they're being held by uh, some unknown dark entity against their will, and they're crying out for help. And the, you know, do you remember all the videos of investigators saying, mm-hmm. "Do you need any help? Go to the light." And I'm oh, sitting there please. staring at the hundred watt bulb at the ceiling, you know, going, "Well, you know, if you tell a five a spirit of a five year old child to go to the light." <laughs> I mean, that just drives me when people, I mean, people really are obsessed with that almost to that no matter what is presented, that's what they're going to believe. I mean, we, I remember to this day, we had a, uh, we did an investigation, which, you know, was really not that great. Other than I got that cool EVP, even if it is just crap. Uh, it's the Ghostbusters, it's still my favorite. Uh, but anyways, the, uh, 
there wasn't really much going on. I mean, there was like, oh, it was a portal, right? It was a camera flare from from one of the fluorescent lights, and we we told them that, but no, they they could definitely was a portal. And I mean, after we left and, and uh, we, we contacted them again, they said, oh, there's no need to come back. He said, we had a, a medium came in and she went to that portal. She was able to send all the spirits that were there. Plus, there was another 400 revolutionary soldiers that were trapped oh, well, that she you. sent to. So, uh, you, you know, I mean, you look at that and it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll, and I'll tell you where they got the idea from right here and right now. All of those portals start with Poltergeist, the movie. Really? There are, oh, the original almost, one with the little girl? Yeah. These oh, that things, was such a cool movie. <laughs> it was a very, so cool, movie, very cool movie. Um, but if you look at the, the, um, the progression of cases, mm-hmm. portals were virtually unknown back in, you know, back sort of the 80s until that movie comes out. Yeah, and you know, we, it's it's this is what the problem is. It's people who are in in the essence. There are good investigators out there, um, but they are being drowned by under a tsunami of Saturday night investigators who would in the past have gone to the movies with their friends for a scary night out and popcorn. But now they, you know, they go to a haunt to the haunted house, um, you know, whereas they would go to on Halloween uh, with a few friends. They would all gather at the, the 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 town haunted house for Halloween and go on a spooky tour, and people would jump out and they'd all have a laugh. And now they can do it every day, every every week of the year. Yeah, and uh, post and, on Facebook. And the stories have to match that. And the groups that are selling these products, because that's what they are, these investigations are just products, they're not investigations. They have to compete against one another to have the scariest, the most scariest, the haunted, the most haunted, um, the most demonic, the most evil, the most frightening, challenging, you know, children aren't anybody under 18 or don't forget the creepy condition. dolls they always have creepy dolls when they investigate yeah, too. well yeah but you know look at look at the sort of disclaimers they have as well anybody with a heart condition anybody who's pregnant <laughs> you know you you enter at your own risk anybody you don't have any money don't hit <laughs> have you ever in all of the years that you've been in haunted buildings ever been scared never and do you know you know you know what the situation's really like. So why would you prevent somebody who may have had a heart condition or may be pregnant, apart from you know the obvious liability thing if they yeah. keeled over or gave birth? But there is nothing terrifying. I've never had, and I was talking on another radio show um, quite recently, um, that so many of these events are exclude, you know, under 18s they're very age specific no under 18s allowed mm. and yet you look at the number of children that are involved in alcohol of course well you're not allowed to over here but oh. um, <laughs> they, they all they all get pissed down at the pub first <laughs> they um but you look at in the literature there are um the majority of modern hauntings at some point involve a child not as a focus, but as a witness. Mm-hmm. And yet investigators seem to think that you should exclude children from investigations. 
Um, and we had this discussion, you know, on another radio show. And I, I, I was in the minority and condemned because, as, you, as you're aware, from quite a young age, all three of my children have had the opportunity to go investigating and that I've always encouraged children to be part of the process, um, you know, providing that they're safe and you know, looked after. There is nothing so scary in a haunted building that I would worry about my four-year-old or six-year-old or eight-year-old or whatever age they were at the time. You know, Helen started when she was four. Uh, the boys were taken, you know, they went out ghost hunting with me when they were a similar age. Because there's nothing frightening enough to worry me about them being there. You know, there's obvious dangers, like they could fall and hurt themselves, right, or right. they could... And you take normal precautions and sensible If you didn't have the lights off, maybe you wouldn't have any problems. Well, we right? didn't have... We, we didn't yeah, have no, that's what I'm talking about, off. the other people. <laughs> but I've, I have never felt at any time um, a situation was so desperately scary or worrying or demonic enough to say, oh, my kids can't go. It's too terrifying for them. They are too vulnerable to being attacked or possessed or taken over. Or And, you know, I maintain that's, per you know, that's a perfectly reasonable thing for a parent to do take normal sensible precautions and include the kids the most dangerous case i ever did i think was uh the house that we went to investigate maureen and i by yourself in the daytime by the way uh where the guy actually we found out afterwards had just been released from prison for killing his friend in the house so <laughs> no you see that's an entirely different situation isn't it? yeah that one that one uh, was an unnerving for me <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I've been in one or two situations where, you know, you, you're watching your back um, from the living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I've never, ever in all of my more than 50 years, um, you know, spending time in haunted houses ever felt threatened or scared or worried by the dead, the deceased. Um, be they be they carnate or elemental or whatever, you know. I fell asleep in most of the buildings where most people say they can't <laughs> spend a night. Um, you know, maybe I'm just unlucky. You know, maybe I just there's something you know within me that means that they don't interfere with me. Or, or as I said, you know, just before, maybe I'm just incredibly lucky, unlucky. And you I know, keep missing out on all of these wonderful, scary experiences. I feel I, kind of cheated. I know, huh? We, should, yeah. We should. But anyways, the, the, I mean, this article is just blowing my mind. By the way, uh, it, it says, uh, you know, I don't hear any, see any mention of temperature anywhere. I don't hear any no, recorders anywhere. No, uh, there we gotta go. But uh, and and the, the opening line of this is, we were gonna leave no stone unturned. And yet they didn't unturn. They didn't turn over a single stone. No, you're absolutely right. Anyways, sorry guys, that's the way I feel. So um, we've got Spirit Quest coming up soon, haven't we? Yes, we do. Uh, you can get your tickets. And, uh, and although I'm not fluttering, I know. Just... I, I mean, we are all going to miss you, Steve. Really, seriously. Uh, well, you will be you know, there in spirit, though. 
I'll be there in, well, I'll be there in virtual reality as well, won't I? Yep. Yep. So you'll be doing a presentation, actually. I will be doing a presentation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Remote that... control. Yeah. So go to IndieGhostProject.com and you can uh, get all the information about SphereQuest. And uh, uh, anyway, yeah, we also want to thank uh, our uh, patrons for uh, help supporting the show. And um, you could, if you're not a patron, you should become one. Go to Patreon, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. You get access to, well, it's over 25 or 30 videos that you can't see anywhere else. And uh, also, Probably for good reason. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I know I'd like to bury some of them, that's for sure. <laughs> but anyway, Steve, uh, the, everything's going. The new books are coming out. They're already uh, out. They're, they're all out. They're all doing. They're all, um, yeah, they're all, they're all on sale on Amazon. Excellent. So check out that. And uh, I guess that's it, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh, all do right. I need this... to wear a mask uh, for Spirit Quest? I'm not no, sure what the US regulations enough, are. Steve. You're scary enough. <laughs> I, I believe we have another um, guest from the UK joining us, don't we, for Spirit Quest? Uh, Richard Felix is uh, the rumor is he's going to be there right after you. Well, let's hope that rumor comes to reality. Yeah, me too. All right, we got to go. <laughs> we want to thank everyone for listening and uh, stay tuned for uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation when we learn about. East Bridgewater's most haunted. Good night. God bless everyone. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.